Chapter Four of Doors of the Night by Frank L. Packard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, alias the Rat. Billy Kane's face was impassive. The keen, alert brain was working with desperate speed. There had come in a flash with the other's words a vista not quite clear nor distinct but a vista that seemed to promise the way and the chance not only of immediate escape from this place here, but perhaps more than that. Assistance, help, perhaps even refuge and temporary sanctuary from the police, who before morning would be scouring every quarter of New York in an effort to capture him. This man, a thief, a criminal, one of the underworld himself, had obviously mistaken him, Billy Kane, for another of his own ilk, for one known as the Rat, his appearance, disreputable, blood-stained and mud-covered, had undoubtedly been a very large factor in bringing about the man's mistake, it was true, but that did not in any way apply to his, Billy Kane's, face, and his face had been, and was still, full in the pitiless glare of the flashlight. Therefore he must, uh, to a very remarkable extent, resemble this so-called rat, and moreover this rat must be a figure of some consequence in the underworld for even through the man's hoarse and amazed tones Billy Kane's quick ear had caught a note of almost cringing deference. And then Billy Kane's under jaw crept out a little, and his eyes narrowed. Well, for the moment at least, he would play the part, because he must. "'Who the hell are you?' he demanded gruffly. "'I can't see you behind that light.' "'I'm Whitey Jack,' the other answered mechanically. Whitey Jack, huh? snapped Billy Kane. Well, then, his hand shot out and pushed the flashlight roughly away. Take your cursed lamp out of my eyes. What are you playing at? Oh, sure, mumbled the man. Sure, it's all right. Only just gave me such jump sneaking in here. Bundy Morgan, the rat. What's the idea? Nothing, perhaps, would confirm the man more in his mistake than an allusion to the common enemy the police. Billy Kane dropped into the vernacular, but the man's reference to the swells yous used to know had given him his cue. The rat at one time had probably known quite a different station in life, and the rat's speech, therefore, even in the vernacular, would hardly be ungrammatical. A coat, said Billy Kane tersely. The bulls have got my costume spotted. Swipe me! Whitey Jack drew in his breath in a low whistle. The bulls, huh? So that's the way. Well, youse wait a minute and I'll get yous one. Youse look as though yous had blamed near cashed in. Youse had spilled a lot of red out of that shoulder, huh? Yeah, it's pretty bad, answered Billy Kane laconically. Sure, said Whitey Jack again, and then eagerly, the deference back in his voice. Well, Use wait a minute, Bunty, and I'll get you the best coat old Deezer's got. Though that's not saying much, for there's nothing here but a bunch of rags. The man was gone. Billy Kane leaned back against the wall. His hand swept across his eyes. It seemed as though for hours he had been living through some horrible and ghastly nightmare from which he could not awake. He was Billy Kane, whom the world in the morning would proclaim the murderer of David Ellsworth. But he was also now Billy Kane, alias Bundy Morgan, alias the Rat. Again his hand swept across his eyes, and the Rat 
who was the rat? And what? Whitey Jack was back. Here, said Whitey Jack. Here yous are. He handed Billy Kane a coat, and his flashlight fell again on Billy Kane's shoulder. Say, that's bad, he jerked out, and then irrelevantly. Say, <laughs> wouldn't it sting yous? You're showing up here. When did you blow in the town, Bundy? Tonight, said Billy Kane. Well, you didn't take long in starting something, said Whitey Jack admiringly. He helped Billy Kane on with the coat. Was it a big one, Bundy? No, said Billy Kane. Only a fight, but someone got hurt in the fight. Get me, Whitey? And the bulls are out for fair. Whitey Jack drew in his breath in a low, comprehensive whistle again. Sing Sing and the Juice Root, huh? he muttered. Did they spot on who she were? No, said Billy Kane. Ah, oh, well, then, what the hell? observed Whitey Jack with a sudden grin. That's easy. You's a got a coat now, and we'll beat it over to your dump, and that's the end of it. Yeah, you, you have to, to get that shoulder fixed, and I'm some guy with the bandage stuff, believe me. Billy Kane did not answer for a moment. Well, why not? He had accepted the absent rat's personality. Why not the absent rat's hospitality? It would afford him shelter for the moment, and he was living, feeling, groping his way now only from moment to moment. Also, and what was of even more urgent importance, he must somehow and in some way get his wound dressed. The flashlight in Whitey Jack's hand was sweeping in a circle around the room, a sort of precautionary leave-taking survey of the place, as it were. The room was evidently the proprietor's office, but from what Billy Kane could see of it, it was bare and uninviting enough. He caught a glimpse of a rough table and a couple of chairs, and then the flashlight went out. But he was still staring through the darkness now toward the far end of the room, and it seemed that he could still see just as vividly as though the light still played upon the spot. There was an old safe there, a large and cumbrous thing, long out of date, and the door sagged on its hinges where it had been blown open and the floor around it was littered with books and papers it had evidently contained. "'That's a bum job you made, Whitey,' commented Billy Kane sarcastically. "'You're an artist, you are. What did you expect to get out of a piker hangout like this?' "'Ah, forget it,' returned Whitey Jack. "'It ain't so bum. I'd like to see you scrack a box in here with soup and not wake the whole town up. That's what I get mine for. A century note, see?' There wasn't nothing in the safe, not a nickel. It's a stall, savvy. But uh, come on, Bundy, we'll beat it out of here and get you fixed up. A stall? What did Whitey Jack mean? Whitey Jack, at Antonio Laverto's instigation, had blown open the safe, knowing beforehand that there was nothing in it. What was Laverto's game? Billy Kane mechanically made his way out along the passage, the flashlight winking in Whitey Jack's hand behind him. What was the game? Laverto was no fool, and there seemed an ominous something back of it all, but he dared not press Whitey Jack or appear too inquisitive. His own position now was precarious enough as it was, and needed all his wits to see him through. For instance, they were going now to the Rat's quarters, to what was supposedly his, Billy Kane's, quarters, and he had not the faintest idea where or in what direction those quarters might be. 
Billy Kane smiled grimly in the darkness. But Whitey Jack evidently knew. Therefore, Whitey Jack, without knowing it, must be made to act as guide. They were outside now. Whitey Jack had closed the door. Billy Kane raised his hand to his head, smiling grimly again to himself in the darkness, and stumbled heavily against his companion. "'What's wrong?' whispered Whitey Jack anxiously. "'Hey, here, here, buck up, Bundy!' I, "'I guess I'm bad. Worse than I thought I was. My head's going round,' mumbled Billy Kane. "'You'll have to help me, Whitey.' "'Sure I will,' returned Whitey Jack encouragingly. He slipped his arm through Billy Kane's. "'You'll just buck up, Bundy, and don't just be afraid to throw your weight on me. Tain't far, and we'll make it all right.' Billy Kane, his object accomplished, leaned not lightly on Whitey Jack. Occasionally, as he walked along, he staggered and lurched, playing up his role, but only when the street in his immediate neighborhood was clear, and he ran no risk of attracting attention to himself and his companion. It was not far, a few blocks, and then Whitey Jack, still unsuspectingly acting as guide, was helping Billy Kane down the half-dozen steps of one of those cellar-like entrances to the basement of a low building in the middle of a block. The building seemed to be a store of some kind, but it was closed, the dingy front window dark, and in the none-too-well-lighted street Billy Kane could not make out exactly what it was. At the bottom of the steps they halted, before a locked door, and for an instant again that grim, desperate smile twisted Billy Kane's lips. And then he laughed shortly, as his free hand fumbled in the pockets of the stolen coat. "'Kick it in, Whitey,' he growled. "'I haven't got the key. I, I lost my coat.' Nothing doing,' said Whitey Jack complacently. "'I got the goods, ain't I? What do you think?' From his pocket, Whitey Jack produced a bunch of what were evidently skeleton keys, and, trying first one and then another, finally opened the door. His flashlight played through into the interior and indicated a chair that stood before a table. "'You'll go over there and sit down and get your coat and shirt off and leave the rest to me,' he directed." Billy Kane, lurching again, stumbled into the chair, as Whitey Jack, closing and locking the door, located an incandescent that hung from the ceiling and switched on the light. "'Say, where do you uh, keep your stuff?' demanded Whitey Jack. "'A shirt'll do. Anything to tear up and make a bandage would see.' Billy Kane did not answer. He did not know. Instead, he let his head sag limply forward and fall on his crossed arms upon the table." "'Oh, buck up, Bundy,' pleaded Whitey Jack anxiously. "'You shall be all right in a minute. That's the boy. Buck up. It's all right. Leave it to me. I'll find something.' Still Billy Kane did not answer. His face hidden in his arms, he was making a surreptitious but nonetheless critical survey of his surroundings. It was a large room, evidently comprising the entire basement of the building and the single incandescent that it boasted seemed only to enhance, with its meagre light, the sort of forbidding sordidness, as it were, that pervaded the place. There were no windows. The walls had been boarded in with cheap lumber that had warped and bulged in spots, and the walls had been painted once, but so long ago that they had lost any distinctive color, and had faded into a murky, streaky yellow. The room was dirty and ill-kempt, a few old pieces of carpet were strewn about the floor, 
and for decoration prints from various magazines and Sunday supplements were tacked here and there around the walls. There was a bed in one corner, a wardrobe made by hanging a piece of old cretonne diagonally across another corner, a sink at one side of the room, and at the far end a bureau, whose looking-glass seemed to be abnormally large. Billy Kane studied the looking-glass for a moment, curiously. It seemed to reflect back some object that he could not quite identify, something that glittered a little in the light. And then Billy Kane smiled a sort of grim appreciation. Whitey Jack had left his keys hanging in the lock of the door. The mirror held in faithful focus the only entrance to the place that the rat's lair apparently possessed. And now the reflection of the door in the mirror was blotted out and the figure of Whitey Jack took its place. The man had crossed the room from an apparently abortive search behind the cretonne hanging and was rummaging now in the drawers of the bureau. And then with a grunt of satisfaction and with what looked like a shirt and some underclothing flung over his arm, Whitey Jack made his way to the sink, filled a basin with water, and returned to the table. Billy Kane raised his head heavily and with well-simulated painful effort aided in the removal of his coat, vest, and shirt. "'That's the stuff, Bundy,' said Whitey Jack approvingly. It was a flesh wound, angry and nasty enough in appearance when the clotted blood was washed away, but still only a flesh wound. Whitey Jack surveyed it judicially. "'Tain't so waste, Bundy,' he announced reassuringly. "'Yours'll be all to the good in a day or so.' He began to rip and tear the underclothing into strips. "'You shall need the shirt to wear, and this stuff will do for the bandages,' he explained. "'See?' "'Yes,' said Billy Kane. The man dressed the wound with amazing deftness, stepped back to observe his own work admiringly, and then, picking up the folded shirt, shook it out and began to unbutton it. "'Now then, Bundy,' he said, "'get this on and—' He stopped. From where it had been hidden in the folds of the shirt— a little black object dropped to the floor. Whitey Jack stooped, picked it up, glanced at it, and tossed it on the table. "'And hey, that ain't so dusty a place to hide it, neither,' grinned Whitey Jack. "'Now, Dan, up with your arms and on with the shirt.' Billy Kane made no comment. The object Whitey Jack had picked up was a black mask. He raised his arms and with deliberate difficulty struggled into the shirt. "'How'd you feel now?' inquired Whitey Jack. "'Better,' said Billy Kane. "'You're an artist with the swab rags, Whitey.' "'Sure,' said Whitey Jack. "'Well, I guess that's all. "'Youse go to bed now and keep quiet. "'I'll tip the fleet off that you're a back on the job.' Billy Kane shook his head sharply. "'I don't want anyone butting in around here tonight,' he said roughly. "'No, sure you don't,' agreed Whitey Jack, with an oath for emphasis. "'Don't just worry. I'll wise him up to that. "'There won't be nobody around here till you say so. "'You know that, don't you? "'I ain't never heard of any guy hunting trouble with the rat yet. <laughs> "'I guess that ain't no con steer.' Billy Kane was standing up now. It seemed strange, almost incredibly strange, that this man, one who evidently knew the so-called rat intimately and well, had accepted him, Billy Kane, without the slightest suspicion that there could exist any question regarding his identity. He had been watching and on his guard all the time that Whitey Jack had been dressing the wound, 
but though whitey jack had seen him under the full glare of a flashlight and again in this lighted room here their heads close together as the other had bent over him whitey jack was obviously possessed of no doubts that he billy kane was anyone other than the rat well it might be strange but at least it was undeniably true so true that now that vista which he had glimpsed with whitey jack's first words of mistaken recognition was spreading out again before him but more concretely now opening a staggering possibility so true that he dared not jeopardize anything by appearing too inquisitive about marcos for instance much as marcos was still in his mind marcos no he was not through with marcos for more reasons than one there was some queer deviltry that laverto was hatching there at a quarter to eleven and he meant to see it through but after all even if he broached the subject again to whitey jack who was patently only a tool in the affair what more could whitey jack tell him except the name of the man who had hired him to blow open an old safe whose contents were worthless and that man's name he billy kane already knew no he was not through with marcos but he would gain nothing save perhaps to excite suspicion by speaking of it again to whitey jack "'Youse get to bed and get some sleep,' prompted Whitey Jack. "'Youse can leave the mob to me.' "'Thanks, Whitey,' said Billy Kane. He moved across the room and flung himself down on the bed. "'I'm not going to forget this. You've handed me the glad paw tonight, and I'm not going to forget it.' "'But that's all right,' said Whitey Jack earnestly. "'I knows you ain't. And say, youse can take it from me on the level.' that I'd rather have this chant than have a, a thousand long green bucks in me mitt this minute. Say, I know it, don't I, that the rat never forgets. And I knows there's about a million guys around here that would give their eye teeth for the chance that came my way tonight. It was strange again, but the servility in the man's tones that was coupled with elation was genuine beyond doubt. The rat was unquestionably a character of prominence and power in the sordid realm wherein he appeared, by some at least, by this whitey jack, for example, to be held in awe. That being so, it was obviously the rat's prerogative to command whitey jack. "'All right, whitey, that goes,' said Billy tersely. "'And now beat it. But before you go, leave me your gun.' I got cleaned out when I lost my coat, and if anything comes to that little game of mine tonight, I might need your iron. Yes, and leave those keys, too. Uh, no other way to lock the door. Sure, said Whitey Jack promptly. He took his revolver from his pocket, laid it on the table, and walked to the door. Are you sure there's nothing else you wants, Bundy? No, that's all, said Billy Kane. Well, then, so long, Bundy, said Whitey Jack. I'll see you in the morning. So long, Whitey, said Billy Kane. End of chapter 4